Our second hour of the show, 1300 1170 is my open line number, 0457 736 736. The text line num- number, Daniel Garb joining me soon. A few issues to cover off in the world of football, none the least of which is the Western Sydney Wanderers chairman, Paul Lederer, having a a fairly sizeable blow-up at the A-League, it seems, um, isn't interested in taking it any further. And that seems to be the big discussion of uh, and hot topic this morning around what should happen next with the Broncos. Um, should the Broncos be taking this further or, or not? Adam Reynolds and Pat Carrigan have spoken. I've said it doesn't seem to be a big problem for me. Your text messages are coming in thick and fast, so I'll just get through them. Read them as I see them. Maddie says, Ben, both Pat and Adam haven't really been in trouble before, so it should be a 10K fine and move on, says Ben. $10,000 fine just for, just for doing that. If Renault isn't playing in Vegas, I'm not watching, says Steve. Um, thank you. This one. The Broncos might have to adjust to the reality that they're no longer living in a one-team town anymore and incidents are no longer going to be swept under the rug automatically anymore, says Uncle Lolol. Well, I don't think that... I think the Broncos and the players and all that are well and truly aware of it. You're not really aware of too much when you're full of grog. There is another side to this, and Coach Kay and I were just quickly discussing this in the news break. If you're Kevy Walters, just put this in football terms, right? And again, they didn't break any laws. Nobody got hurt. They haven't gone and committed a crime. So put it in, put it in pure football terms. If you're Kevy Walters and you see two players who are prepared to push each other to the limit like that, isn't that what you want to see? Don't you want a bit of tension and friction in the camp? Don't you want them to be pushing and shoving and standing up for what they think. I mean, sure, Booze played a part in this and it got out of hand and that's all they've said. Maybe there's a side of it where they just go, well, this is, this is all part of the fact that um, we've got ourselves a competitive bunch here. Pat says, with all the wrestling techniques they do, both the players haven't learnt much. <laughs> that's a very good take, Pat, because it, it was pretty rough and ready. Was it up there with Barnaby? I mean, who did it better? Really? Who did the social media <laughs> fall over, wrestle, whatever you want to call it, better? Barnaby falling off the pot plant or Pat and Adam rolling around and having uh, people shout out, stop, stop, stop. Very, very interesting. Uh, Matty, I reckon Tony Mestrov should head straight to San Francisco and throw the whole budget at Christian McCaffrey. What a superstar. And the halftime show was boring, 200 dancers in sync. Never seen that before, except for the last 20 Super Bowls. What's wrong with a bit of stand-up in the break? Eddie Murphy getting stuck into Travis and Taylor. There you go. A bit of stand-up comedy in the middle there. Gee, it'd be hard to, be hard to get that across. 60,000-seat stadium. Seriously, Matty, how on earth is this news? My goodness me, the beat-up over absolutely nothing is ridiculous. Move on, says Fitzy. Well, Fitzy, I moved on straight away. Um... But I can show you or tell you and you can hear all, all of the feedback that we're getting here. But, yeah, I moved on straight away. My, my question was that at the very top. Nothing to see here, folks. Move on. The reaction has been quite extraordinary. Two points, says this uh, texter, which is Justin, wondering if there's been any update on the Brody Kostecki and Erebus situation, so supercars, and what's your thought on Peter Adderton 
buying a, essentially a licence and entering the supercar circus as a team owner. No update, um, Justin. I think it's Justin. Yeah, wondering on that one. No update on Brody Kostegi. He's not going to be there for the first round. And in terms of Peter Adderton, for those who don't know, he is the man behind Boost Mobile and has also been um, individually essentially backing Brody Kostecki and is a very outspoken, very, very outspoken person in the world of supercars. Um, and he constantly butts heads with them. The latest that you've probably seen throughout the motorsport news is that Peter Adderton said supercars just need to come in and buy Brody Kostecki's salary uh, contract out with Erebus. Erebus and Brody Kostecki are butting heads. He doesn't want to drive for them. He's not going to drive for them. And Peter Addison has said, supercars need to come on in, buy his contract out and get him on the grid. He ain't no fan of current supercars administration, Peter Adderton. But he does make a bit of sense in this. However, it speaks to the big issue here, which is, a team problem has become the sports problem. So when does supercars step in and how do they step in and set a precedent here and say, okay, we'll sort out a problem because drivers and teams have problems all the time. So how far do you take it down the line here and say, okay, now it's supercars issue to solve? Partly that's the reason why you're there a CEO, and Shane Howard's trying to sort it out. But I think there from that, <laughs> that snapshot, you can understand this ain't going anywhere fast. It's just not going anywhere at all. Do supercars now have to come over the top here and buy the thing out and find a spot for him? The bottom line, as I kept on saying, is that supercars doesn't have its champion on the grid, doesn't have its number one guy on the grid. And the two previous champions before him are now overseas. So they've got to do something if they want Brody Kostecki on the grid. Now, I'm getting some information here from Coach K. Jerome Luai, Coach K, out of the World Club Challenge. This is a report from the Mole, Rugby League Mole. Um, so I'm reading this as it's coming through and literally only have this information, recovering from a shoulder injury still, so out of the World Club Challenge against Wigan. So we'll continue to follow that one. But that's the news that's just coming through. Of course, had surgery last October following that grand final win, um, and that's a huge blow for the Panthers on that one. So we'll continue to follow it. Thank you, Fitzy. Uh, it says, not aimed at you, mate. It's the clowns who think this is a big deal. Yeah, thanks. No worries. Western Sydney Eagle says, Barnaby takes the win for me. <laughs> As in who did it better? Correct. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. my open line number. No global game tonight because of the cricket. Um, it'll return next Tuesday. Of course, Daniel Garb's been doing a terrific job in that. And Simon Hill's also back on deck uh, Back on deck next week. Garby joins me on the line this morning as we pick through some football issues. Garby, good morning to you. Good morning, mate. How are you going? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Um, Paul Lederer and this, this blow-up here. Is this a nothing-to-see, folks, from A-League officials? Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. I think there'll be some some stern words to the Wanderers and uh, quite possibly some fines handed out and maybe a suspension in time for uh, for Marco Rudan, who obviously sparked all of this. It's got people talking. We spoke about that last week, didn't we? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Mark Rudan said at the start of his press conference that uh, they launched all of this. Well, let's breathe some life into the league. I think it's done that. It's not the most 
savoury way to do it, of course, but at least it's got people interested and fired up and passionate. And certainly his own club hadn't had a better crowd on the weekend at Western City as a result, but they didn't get any, any more help from the officials. So they had two players sent off, the first of which, Tate Russell, I thought was a little bit harsh. I mean, the penalty was definitely there. Did he deserve a second yellow card as a result of that? I'm not sure he definitely did. And that's what upset Western Sydney, of course. And then they uh, they end up, end up drawing the game 3-3 when they were on top. They go down to nine men. You know, they've got the, the owner, Paul Lederer, on the field having a go at officials afterwards. So it's all spiralled out of control, unfortunately. And something needs to be uh, pulled up in that sense. And, and I think you'll see Football Australia in conjunction with the APL doing that uh, in some manner. But, uh, yeah, certainly not... Uh, uh, a savoury thing to happen, but it has created a lot of interest. And let's be honest, the league could do with that. Yeah. Uh, so is Paul Lederer still part of the APL board? Does he remain a director? He was he was chairman, wasn't he? He was. He yeah. stepped down as chairman, but he's obviously still highly influential. So this is where you potentially get conflict of interest. You know, if the APL is set to come down hard on... Uh, the Wanderers chairman, you know, how much uh, impact does he have on those discussions? Does Football Australia take charge in this situation? They have jurisdiction over the referees. Um, James Johnson, the CEO of Football Australia, has been out speaking this morning about respect, which is great. So he should. He should be on the front foot uh, in that sense. Um, so perhaps they take control of the... Uh, the Oh, just lost you there for a sec, Garby. So we'll try and get you back on that one. So we'll follow that with interest because Paul Lederer, yeah, was the chairman of the APL um, up until September last year, but remains a director. However, they're going to, in Daniel's words, um, going to have to look at some sort of action here for a fairly sizable blow-up off the back of a very passionate, passionate discussion. So I think we've we've got you back, mate. Let, let's skip further ahead to some of the other issues around. The blue cards one is really interesting for me, how this is playing out. From a from a stand back, one back, one wide perspective, I kind of go, oh, yeah, makes sense. But then I hear um, Ange Postacoglu, Jurgen Klopp, they're, they're showing their disapproval. Where's the disapproval coming from? Well, I think there are fears as to what will happen in a situation where players are in bend. Look, first and foremost, nobody likes change, right? So everyone's reticent when it comes to change, and that's understandable, especially in a sport like football, Matt, where the rule changes have been minimal over the journey. And that's to be applauded, you know? So I think there is a understandable desire to keep things the way they are, but at the same time, there are certain things that do need to be looked at. And Postacoglu made a great point. If you start thin-bidding players, you are going to have teams wasting time for 10 minutes until they're restored to 11 aside. Mm. And that is a, an excellent point. And once again, he's the statesman when it comes to, uh, to footballing issues, and he's impressing all over there in the UK as well. What I will say is that there does need to be something, I think, when it comes to cynical fouls. Dissent is another matter. Dissent's an issue, but I think referees can take greater charge in that sense. If they start dishing out yellow cards earlier in games for dissent, it can nip it in the bud. If they start dishing out second yellows more and sending players off for dissent, that can have a big impact. Cynical fouls are becoming a big problem. And this is the rugby tackling of players when they are through and launching an attack 
and, you know, 75th minute of a game, a team's up 1-0, an attacker's going through. It's a, a four-on-three situation. A defender running back just tackles the player and says, I'll cop a yellow card for that happily. Thank you very much. The punishment does not fit the crime. And it's becoming a trend in the game that is an issue right now. And, and it's disrupting the flow of matches. So how do you stop cynical fouls? Yes, on the surface, sin bins make a lot of sense because that's a, a punishment not quite worth a red card, that, that kind of tackle, um, but a yellow is not enough. But then you get into situations where, yeah, teams just start wasting time for 10 minutes or so until their player comes back on the field and it's 11 v 11. It's messy. It's a major altercation to the fabric of the game and it probably doesn't quite add up. But something needs to be done. Maybe referees need to start giving out red cards when it gets to that stage of the game. If it's, you know, apply the common sense theory. If it's late in the game and that's what you're doing, just a complete cynical foul, no attempt to get the ball whatsoever, well, then it's a red card straight away. Mm. And maybe that's the solution. But I like that they're top of mind with this because cynical fouls in the last three to five years have become a concerning trend in the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a really good explanation, mate, um, to get that thought process because I was going to say to you, okay, how much of this is aimed at dissent and how much is aimed at cynical fouls? Because I agree with you, the best way to knock out dissent is to knock it out completely. There's a reason why the referee has a whistle in sport and you've got to use it and you've got to use it hard to come on down with that with that kind of stuff. So that that's being used at grassroots level already, isn't it? Was it introduced at grassroots, grassroots level more for the dissent then? Yeah, it has. And more for dissent. And I think that's a, a, a smart move. It has been for a while because we know that the refereeing situation at grassroots level is dire in, in numerous codes. And quite often you've got a teenager, you know, looking after people older than them and they get intimidated. So they need to have more measures at play. So I don't mind that. And um, they're probably less attuned to, to wasting time at that level as well. So a sin probably works nicely. At the professional level, it's starting to become a little bit trickier, I think. Mm. Um, and maybe it's not always the best look or the best solution to it. But you know, the dissent's less of a concern for me because I think referees can take matters into their own hands more. And when you see yellow cards being dished out for dissent, we don't see enough of them, I don't think. Quite often you see players shut up straight away. They're taking a the backbite. They go, all right, I've got my yellow card for that. Didn't even lay a tackle. And um, I'll put in a tackle and I've got a yellow card for just mouthing off, that wasn't quite worth it. And then sometimes it's a red card. We've seen that a few times as well. And you think, wow, what an idiot. Um, and then the referee quite often gets sympathy for that and the player gets smashed for it. So they can use that to their um, disposal a lot more referees. But cynical fouls is a trickier one. And it's harder for them to, to take charge of those. And quite often you see players just, yeah, applying that rugby tackle, they run away, they don't even look at the referee, they're not bothered by the yellow card. They think, yep, I'll do that all day long if it means stopping an attack and potentially securing my team three points. But it disrupts the flow of the game enormously. And they're not even putting in a tackle or trying to win the ball. So mm. something needs to be done with that one. That's the bigger concern for me. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Always great to get your take. I feel much better educated around that whole, <laughs> that whole discussion now after hearing all of that. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, mate. Daniel Garb joining us there this morning in the English Premier League. Chelsea defeated Crystal Palace. My Crystal Palace. Oh, I just sort of became a Crystal Palace fan, really. I mean, I grew up supporting Liverpool. Um, and then when I was over there quite a few years ago, I went to a Palace game and just loved the whole experience. You know, it was just one of those ones when you, when you kind of got a team and you don't really have a team. 
Palace kind of became my team. And then I saw them at the MCG last year, which was just embarrassing. Um, but the one thing that you have to become used to when you're a Palace fan is that you know where to look, Coach K, when you're a Palace fan. You know where to look on the table. You just hover around that 14th, you know, somewhere between, say, 11 to 15. It's pretty easy to find us. <laughs> but this morning got done by Chelsea. That was kind of the story, too, at the, for the Super Bowl yesterday. I was a huge San Francisco 49ers fan when I grew up. Didn't really have a dog in the fight. And recently, especially with Patrick Mahomes and the whole Kansas City Chiefs story, my wife and I sat through the quarterback Netflix special, and she loves the whole Patty Mahomes story, um, that it didn't really bother me which way it was going to end yesterday. So I was just enjoying it as the spectacle that it was. So no problems either side there. Uh, let me know if you face that situation. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Steve says, Matty, what happened to the NFL player who pushed the coach? Well, Travis Kelsey and um, Andy Reid came together. I'll speak with Laurie Horish about that, but nothing. I wonder what would have happened had they not won yesterday. Does that pose a bit of a different conversation? <laughs> but it's the passion and fight and all that stuff that comes up and it didn't seem to bother Coach Reed after all of that. Let's go to the break. It's 21 minutes past 10.